the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. It's nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and it's a Wednesday. It's the 22nd morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2023, and it's a special Wednesday. Yeah, it is Ash Wednesday. On the Easter calendar, the Lenten calendar, it starts today, my friends. 40 days, 40 days of sacrifice of some sort or another. And uh, certainly, if you're if you're Catholic at all, that means you stay away from the meat tray today. You're going to have to find something to graze on. Because no meat today, no meat on Fridays. Do you still follow that? I wonder how many Catholics, if I were to do a poll, still observe this. Uh, very obediently. Uh, that may be the wrong word. It's a little rough. Uh, you know, very um, sincerely and very carefully and very uh, pick your adjective there or adverb there. Um, I I observe it when I can. And that is that is when I remember. There have been many a Friday that I will in the middle of Lent and I'll just reach in the fridge. Hey, there's a piece of leftover chicken from last night. Honk honk and uh oh. Uh, and I guess that's not so bad. But is it important to you? 
Are those strict Catholic traditions important to you? And I'm going to ask that for a reason. And by the way, this is not part of the show. This is just me riffing on the fact that today is Ash Wednesday. This is just something to think about, if you want. And the question is, with so many leaders in the Catholic Church being willing to set aside Scripture, long-held Catholic Church tenets, when it comes to things like sexual orientation within the church, granting communion to people who support the killing of unborn or preborn babies. Um, you follow where I'm going here? The church has softened some of its most sacred stances. I think, for a lot of people. The only thing missing is whether or not a priest would actually marry a same-sex couple uh, now. They certainly have given it their blessing in that they say the church should not condemn such things. Uh, but they, you know, they, as of now, they won't actually perform a wedding between same-sex couples. That's probably not too far down the road. But there are a lot of very important things to Catholics that have been kind of softened. The stances have been softened because, first of all, membership in the church attendance at the church, which means revenues in the offering plates at the church, they've been declining significantly. And a lot of people believe that one of the, and not only that, membership in the clergy. That's a huge issue. Seminary uh, schools are, are, you know, struggling and and finding it very, very difficult to recruit candidates into, uh, you know, the priesthood. And so when you look at the, all of those numbers trending down, not the least of which is the money one, the church has been doing what they can to try to soften their stance on certain things to bring more people in, to be more, are you ready for the word? To be more inclusive. So since that's the case, has that softened at all your stance on, uh, hey, no meat on Fridays during Lent? No meat on Ash Wednesday today? I'm just curious. I haven't made any severe decisions on that myself or proclamations of any kind or i don't follow that any no i'm not doing that but i'm just kind of curious a lot of people are just you know kind of put off and a little bit uh distanced from their clergy from their churches because of the overarching message from the pope which is much more left-leaning and politically uh and much more as a result you know anti uh catholic um History and 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 long-held Catholic belief and doctrine—that's maybe that's the word I'm looking for, uh, as well as biblical doctrine. So, just wondering uh, how important it is to you. But if you are a Catholic today, of course, uh, I hope you you are able to find time to go and uh, attend a service and receive your ashes blessing. It's an important day for all of us. All right, now under the radio side of things, that was completely unplanned. Under the radio side of things, it's an important day for us as well. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk to Jonathan Broadbent. Jonathan Broadbent is with Protect Ohio Children, also with Ohio Value Voters. And Jonathan is going to lay out for us some of the latest, very, very disturbing information about what is being taught and what is being promoted and how teachers are being trained, how they're being taught to teach children in some of uh, Ohio schools as it pertains to DIE. Diversity, inclusion, and equity, as it pertains specifically to um, the gender identity theory that is being pushed. It's kind of like the critical race theory of gender identity. If you call it critical gender theory, call it whatever you want to call it. The three 
I guess, um, accepted acronyms that we're talking about that are most concerning in our schools to parents are uh, CRT, critical race theory, SEL, which is social emotional learning, and um, SEL, which is, or, or excuse me, C. Uh, SE, which is comprehensive sexual education. And it's not the kind that you learn when you were in junior high and they told you what, you know, how, how babies were made and what it, protection looks like and what abstinence. They also had, excuse me, had to include a chapter or, or lessons on abstinence. That is long gone. And that is far too late because now they're teaching these kids about sexuality, sexual orientation, and sexual identity at very, very young ages. And they are continuing that messaging, which often is referred to by myself and others as grooming um, from, you know, preschool through high school. It's reality. So I asked, I reached out to Jonathan after one of his posts on the subject about Berea uh, um, uh, Midpark schools. Uh, and it is a disaster. It is an absolute disaster. It is a threat to these kids. It is a threat to the family life. It is unbelievable. And I said, hey, John, can you come on to talk about Bria? He said, are you sure you want to limit it to Bria? Because I got Mo. To quote Clubber Lang in Rocky Three, I got a lot of Mo. I got a lot of Mo. And he does. He's got Mo, and he's going to bring it to us at 935 here, so in about 20 minutes. And uh, you're not going to like what you hear. By the way, here's a... Uh, let me play this for you. It's a little bit out of order. I was going to get into this later, but I'll just use it as part of the promotion of the interview with Dr. or not Dr. with uh, Jonathan Broadbent. I want to play a clip for you of um let me let me get the context. Arizona, this is an Arizona teacher speaking at a Senate Education Committee hearing. An Arizona Senate Committee hearing, okay? Now, I want you to listen to the contempt in the voice of this presumably left-wing teacher and member of the left-wing National Education Association or the left-wing American Federation of Teachers or both, the radical leftist teachers unions who think that you rubes, otherwise known as parents, should not dare question your betters. How dare you question our authority? over your kids and what they're taught and how they're taught it. Don't you know that we have degrees? We have advanced degrees. You have, what do you have? Listen to the contempt of this teacher as she is testifying in open comment section segments during this uh, Senate Education Committee in Arizona. I have a master's degree because when I got certified, I was told I had to have a master's degree to be an Arizona certified teacher. We all have advanced degrees. What do the parents have? Are we vetting the backgrounds of our parents? Are we allowing the parents to choose the curriculum and the books that our children are going to read? I think that it's a mistake. I'm just speaking from the heart. Um, the one line that I love is uh, we must remember that the purpose of public education is not to teach only what parents want their children to be taught. It is to teach them what society needs them to be taught. Can you believe your ears? Right? Who are these parents to tell us what to teach and how to teach? We all have advanced degrees. What do they have? Are we vetting their parents? What do they have? Well, allow me to answer that, Madam Elite, Madam Elitist. 
I'll answer that. Here's what we have that you don't have. Relationships with our children. Domain over our children. Custody of our children. The responsibility of raising our children. That's what we have. You can take your advanced degrees in the subjects you need to be advanced in, like, I don't know, calculus. Teach my kid calculus. You need an advanced degree for that. You might even need an advanced degree to teach my kid chemistry, and if you've got one, awesome. I'll give you a high five for your advanced degree in chemistry. You might even need an advanced degree in British literature or American literature to really, really, truly dig down deep into the literature that our children are going to be reading in order to expand their minds and their appreciation for that type of writing and their ability to perhaps become writers themselves. You can take your advanced degrees in these very important areas and use them to to teach those things to our kids. We have no problem with that. But you know what you don't have an advanced degree in? You don't have an advanced degree in knowing who my kid is. You don't have an advanced degree in raising my child. Your advanced degree is to help educate my child in subject areas in which I can't or we can't. That's what you're there for. We don't send our children to school for seven or eight hours a day to be indoctrinated with your worldview. We don't send them to school for seven or eight hours a day, you over-narcissistic, overvalued educator, and I use that term very, very loosely, we don't send them there for you to raise them. We send them to you because there are some things we can't teach, and even if we could, we got to work for a living, and we don't have the ability to do it at home. So we, we pawn that part of the job off on you. Never once did we say, we're going to send our kids to a pseudo-parent, somebody to raise them in our absence, to teach them their values of what diversity, inclusion, and equity mean and should look like to teach them their values of what a little boy who likes to play with a doll should admit to himself that he really, truly thinks he's a girl and he should be treated as such and started on the path to hormones and chemical castration and eventual bodily mutilation. We don't send our children to you to determine those things or to foist your views upon these impressionable, preformative children. Their minds are preformative. We don't send them to you to form their minds. We send them to you to fill their minds with education and knowledge and curricula that we can't do or don't have the time to do. The temerity, the gall of these people to stand there and say, we are your superiors. And we know what's best for your children, not you. Who are you, peasant? Who are you, bachelor's degree holder? Do you have an advanced degree? We do. 
So obviously we know what's best for your children. And we know if pornographic books on the shelves of our middle school or even primary grade libraries, especially the pornographic books that push gay pornography or transsexual pornography, we know whether or not that's good for your children because we have advanced degrees. You don't know that. Who do you think you are? And for you who don't even have the bachelor's degrees, the undergrad piece of paper, for those of you who are just high school graduates, you blue-collar schmucks, how dare you question our authority and our brilliance and our knowledge and our advanced educations? How dare you think you know what's best for children over us? Just listening to this fills me with such contempt for the entire teaching profession, at least those teachers who are sworn, loyal members of the unions. To any teachers listening to me right now who don't buy into this garbage, I salute you. To any teachers listening right now, or family members of teachers, because they're in school, any family members of teachers listening right now, Don't hold this against them. I'm not holding this against them. If they are believers in educating the children, not indoctrinating, and if they don't see themselves as some sort of uh, master of the universe because we have advanced degrees and you don't, well, then you tell them, thank you for doing it right from me. You tell them Bob really appreciates that, and so do parents all over Northeast Ohio and anybody else who might be listening around the country through the Internet. Tell them we thank them, but their colleagues... The ones who are members, and they're members because they believe in the left-wing radicalism of the uh, teachers' unions, you give them a message from us. You give them a message that says, we will never surrender the right to raise our children to you. That has never been the goal of school. It has never been the mission of an education. It has never been the mission of educators. We do the raising. We do the values presentation. We do the morals presentation with our own children. You do the reading, the writing, and the arithmetic. That's it. I don't want to hear any more of this kind of crap. I have a master's degree because when I got certified, I was told I had to have a master's degree to be an Arizona certified teacher. We all have advanced degrees. What do the parents have? Are we vetting the backgrounds of our parents? I wish we would start vetting the backgrounds of advanced degree teachers like you. I'll be right back. Okay, it's 929. Just so you know, I did not forget about our pledge uh, in the middle of that unplanned rant. Uh, I was remembering it, but I didn't have time for it. I have time for it now. Friends, patriots, stand. Face your flag. I know it's important to you. Put your hand on your heart and join us for this pledge. If you are a believer in any of the unions I just talked about, well, you don't understand freedom. You don't understand that flag. Therefore, you are exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback or teacher's union member. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 
Jonathan Broadband, Ohio Values Voters and Protect Ohio Children, joins me after the news on AM 1420 The Answer. Always Right Radio with Bob France of The Answer. All right, 937. Thanks so much for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. The uh, extended rant I did on that uh, that uh, advanced degreed teacher in Arizona was completely unplanned. But it's interesting and curious and kind of satisfying that as I pulled up uh, the Facebook page this morning for Protect Ohio North, I'm sorry, Protect Ohio Children North, um, which is the organization that Jonathan Broadbent supports, the video was there, too. <laughs> and people are all over it, as they should be. So I was glad to hear that and see that. I just saw that for the first time this morning myself, but I'm glad we are of like mind on responding to that. It is inconceivable that these uh, radical teachers' union uh, members think that they are supposed to raise our children because of their advanced degrees over the rubes uh, in the room who don't, who don't have those. Uh, let's bring him in. Jonathan Broadbent is a good friend. He is uh, one of the leaders uh, and organizers of Protect Ohio North. Uh, I keep saying that, Protect Ohio Children North, because there is a Protect Ohio Children South and so forth. Uh, He's also with Ohio Value Voters, and he is working overtime all the time on trying to protect kids in Ohio schools. Jonathan Broadbent, good to have you back. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me back. That video was pretty pretty wild, wasn't it? We have advanced degrees. What do the parents have? As if that gives them the right to raise our children. I'm getting to the point. I talk to a lot of these people that have advanced degrees in education, and I'm to the point, like with media, where I'm suspicious. The moment I hear they have an advanced degree in education, I start thinking in the back of my mind, I think that maybe this is a person I need to watch out for. Like maybe they shouldn't be involved in children's education. It's getting to that point, Bob. I think it's, that's it's accurate. That, that you know, it's funny and 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 it's kind of odd sounding to say if somebody has an advanced degree in childhood education, or usually they'll adv- have advanced degrees in their uh, in their fields of study in physics or whatever it is that they teach. But if they have an advanced degree and they want to teach children, I agree with you. It should be a red flag because they are being indoctrinated themselves in those uh, universities. Um, on ways to indoctrinate the children. We're, we're seeing it play out time after time after time. And, but to hear them say it so bluntly as that teacher in Arizona did, we have advanced degrees. What do you have? Uh, we need to vet you before we listen to you and your input at board meetings about curricula or anything else. That's just astounding. Yeah, and it's, it's ridiculous. I can't even begin to recap this, the, the series of conversations I've had with people with advanced degrees in education and early childhood development and blah, blah, blah. That I, I find myself thinking I would rather just go and knock on somebody's door in the community somewhere and ask them to educate children. There, there's so there's such a lack of common sense among people that have these advanced degrees. They they will they will dazzle with all of their uh, polysyllabic words and their all all the feelings that they have, and they're just about to change the world through their activist training of children and everything. Mm-hmm. But once you wade through all of that nonsense, all they are are just enraged activists. And they really have no intention. It's kind of like, uh, if, you, if you will, 
if you think about a, a job interview, if you're hiring somebody, if you talk to somebody who goes on and on and on about how important they are and how great they are and never once mentions that they want to do a good job, that's, it should be a red flag. And with these people with these advanced degrees in education, that's exactly what you're looking at. These are people who will talk to you for hours without even mentioning the children. Or if they do, it's in some sort of bizarre way about how they're going to turn the children into social justice activists and everything. But never once do you hear these people, and I don't mean to be completely universal in my statement, but it seems sort of categorically true. The people with these advanced degrees are the people who are very likely to go on and on about how terrible society is and all of the ills in America and how the next generation of children, we're going to be the ones to solve it. And I'm going to arm these children with all of the info. What they're making is Antifa. What they're, what yeah. they're designing and building is Antifa. Jonathan Broadbent is my guest. By the way, my antenna went up when you uh, talked about being alerted and uh, concerned when you talk to people who use polysyllabic words, because uh, Jonathan Broadbent, polysyllabic is a polysyllabic word. Are you an advanced degree holder? Because I don't know. I'm a little worried now. (laughs) I think I have now, I'm going to put myself in the category of advanced degree in street smarts for education. It's Jonathan, so after four years of being in this battle, I've I've learned where where to look for the bad guys. You I, probably I, learn I, more about curricula and about kids than these uh, advanced degree holders have in their entire six years of school, their bachelor's and their, and their master's degrees. But uh, let's dive into some of the specifics now, Jonathan. When I reached out to you on Sunday, it was after I saw the post on Protect Ohio Children North about Berea schools. And it's pretty alarming. Uh, and you link to an article on uh, Ken McEntee's uh, Substack. And I want to talk about that. But when I asked you to come on, you said about just Berea, or do you want to go with the whole thing, everything that's going on right now? And the answer is, of course, the latter. Uh, I want to hear about all of it and uh, the whole McGillah. But give me the specifics on Berea first, because that's the one that caught my eye. All right. So here's where we're going to start. You remember Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the U.S., last year coming out and saying that People that show up for school board meetings are quote-unquote domestic terrorists. By now, there's been such a backlash that 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 story has sort of evaporated, but it hasn't disappeared. The first thing to know, and it ties in with this article and what's happening in Berea schools, is that we it's working. The left won't admit it, the, the globalists, whatever you want to call them, the, the bad guys, they won't admit it, but us showing up at school board meetings actually it puts a dent. It slows them down, and they don't like it. So the first thing to know, Bob, is that these school boards are actually going through revamping their policies to try to eliminate public comment, which is it's atrocious and awful at its base. And uh, they are trying everything they can to either scale back or completely eliminate. And there's, there's a great, another local example, not Berea, but Cardinal City Schools. Remember Cardinal from about three weeks ago, they were going to do a musical, and suddenly at the last minute they pulled the plug on the musical because it was inappropriate for children. Right. And yeah. then there was national backlash, and uh, there was huge uproar. At their most recent school board meeting, there they had technical issues, I'm air quoting, technical issues with the video feed during the public comment section. 
figure that one out. It doesn't take a rocket scientist or an advanced degree in education to understand what they're doing. They're, they're working aggressively to silence us. And those videos, like the one you're talking about, mm-hmm. those videos are damaging to their the left's efforts to control the narrative around education. They hate them. Those videos, like um, the, the, the one we did in Beachwood a couple of years ago, that's, I think it's now at 200,000-ish views. Mm-hmm. Those are damaging, and they don't like them. No. So the first thing to know is, if you're if your audience, if you're out there in the listening audience and you're thinking about going to school board meetings and raising a stink like this guy did in, in Berea and the one from out, out west, uh, do it. Get in there, do it, grab the video section, post it, and shame them because it works. As far as Berea goes, Berea's in the same boat. Just to, just to reiterate that, John, Jonathan, okay. just to reiterate that, um, you know, we can also point to about, what, two years ago, I think it was, when Matt Walsh, who is a resident of Tennessee, uh, wanted to stop this uh, nonsense of endangering girls, you know, with this uh, trans bathroom and trans uh, uh, locker room, shower room thing in Virginia, Loudoun County, when you know, which is kind of the epicenter of so much of this. Uh, and that's what led to, by the way, the Justice Department, Hearing from the National School Boards Association, wanting these parents to be declared, you know, threats as domestic terrorists and so forth. Um, Matt Walsh became he, he rented a uh, an apartment for two months or something like that in Loudoun County so that he would be allowed to speak. That's how they kept him out. You have to be a resident in order to be able to speak. So he actually went there and did it. And the statement that he read. To the people there, I don't even know what number it would be on, but viral doesn't even begin to uh, to describe the effect that it had and the it, the motivation that it gave so many other people, so many other parents in Loudoun County to stand and fight and push back against what is being done to their kids in the name of quote-unquote uh, education from quote advanced degreed teachers. His, his spoke, you know, and he's of course a, a national celebrity, and that helps a lot, but going there and, and, and dedicating himself, putting his money where his mouth is and everything else to go there and make that public stand inspired a lot of people. I know for a fact that you inspired a lot of people. When you go, when you spoke at Beachwood and when you sp- spoke at a lot of these Northeast Ohio school districts, it inspires people. So I just want to underscore that. If you've got a voice, it can go, it can go viral. It can, it can reach a lot of people in a very short period of time if you've got the guts to use it. If you've got the knowledge and you're a good speaker, even if you're not a great speaker, but if you've got the passion and the facts on your side, go and be a part of this. Know they're going to come for you, but have the courage and the intestinal fortitude to stand up to the bullying and the cancellation and do what needs to be done. There, I'll get off the soapbox, Jonathan, and let you go. You know, no, that's you make a great point, but I also want to let everybody know there's another avenue. If you're at all worried about getting canceled or pushback, having the, the left attack you at your work, or if you have kids in the school district and you're worried that if you go and speak at a local public school board that you're going, your kid might suffer, I don't blame you at all. I think you're right, and it's definitely a legitimate concern, but there's no another question. avenue. Get Get information about what's going on or even write up something, your frustrations, and get it to us at Protect Ohio Children. We'll have somebody go in and read it anonymously. I can't promise we have enough people to cover everybody all the time, but we're going to do our best. 
and we've done that a few times. We've had people. Well, Jonathan, listen. In, I want to. I want to say. Let's. I want to. I don't want to diminish what you just said and say we might not have enough cover, people to cover everybody's complaint that they want to have anonymously read into a board meeting. If you announce that you're 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 hiring, so to speak, and you're looking for volunteers to join, you know, protect Ohio children. Uh, I, I guarantee we'll have it because I think again, oh, this yeah. this is. This has the capacity to inspire people to a write the you know their complaints and their concerns like you said and turn them into you guys and I think it'll have the capacity to inspire people to be like you guys and say I'll do it I'll join the group I'll read people's letters into various school board uh, meetings around the you know Northeast Ohio or around the state of Ohio so I think it, I think it could be it could serve as a recruiting uh, tool as well uh, because we do need more and more concerned citizens not all parents but citizens who want to do this and who want to step up and and fight back on behalf of these parents so anybody who's thinking about this uh, again contact Jonathan contact anybody at protect our children because um, we we can increase the number of parents who are involved and the number of activists who are involved with uh, with protecting these kids go ahead Jonathan yeah absolutely and if we're always out there actively uh, looking for people to get engaged and help us in the fight back. We have some amazing warriors. We have some champions associated with Protect Ohio Children who um, that they are putting everything out there in this fight. And we've got absolutely, as far as uh, volunteering goes, we have created the Academic Accountability Project. You and I have touched that on that in the past. We're creating charts of academic proficiency in schools, and it's even broken out by uh, demographics. So you can have uh, the white kids, the Asian kids, the the Hispanic kids, black kids. It shows academic proficiency. By the way, I'm actually now taking that information that, that I've learned through the Ohio Department of Education and putting those reports together, and I'm pushing that back on State of Ohio and our Department of Education, that, my friend, is where the systemic racism is. When you show that black kids anywhere outside of government school are rapidly accelerating, catching up to all their counterparts, but in government schools, we're constantly talking about that that proficiency gap Mm -hmm. between black and white and Asian. That's, That's the place where it exists. So all the people who are saying, I'm sorry, this is a tangent, but it's a, it's a pet peeve of mine. All of this years of conversation about um, systemic racism and where how it's it, so prevalent throughout society, the place where it is most visible and most tangible, and you can actually see it and point to it, is the schools themselves. And it's... It's maddening, but no, we it is. Need and, and Jonathan, I want to I want to try to steer us back here because we are chasing some squirrels, you and I, and we're speaking in a lot of generalities about these things. They're all accurate, but they are generalities. I want to be specific now, so I want to go back to the titans of grooming thing that was posted that you posted on uh, um, uh, Protect Ohio Children, yep. and tell us what happened at Berea, and then uh, and then we'll expound on it from there. Okay, the the conclusion of that is we're looking for volunteers in Berea. They have. Uh, they have these horrible books, pornographic in nature, just like most other school districts, and we're tracking them. And there was a, a resident of Berea that went in and tried to read from one of the books into the school board meeting. And so this is a bold, terrific, daring parent who is going in and pushing it back in the faces of the school board members. Well, they were this this uh, I think it's a, a father. I think this father went in and just a few seconds into it starts reading and it's 
just disgusting, the content that's in this book that's available to the kids. Mm-hmm. Well, he was cut off by the school board president who said, well, that's not appropriate. The, the language you're using, um, it, you can't read that into the uh, public comments, etc. And there's another avenue. If you want to complain about a book and then go to the, the uh, superintendent, etc. Well, it turns out this guy had already done his homework and has the tenacity and wherewithal to know his rights and did a couple of things. He, I believe in advance of that meeting, he'd gone to the police department and said, I really think that this is horrible, damaging content that's being given to the children of Berea. But he also knew his rights and pushed back on the school board and said, so far, I have not actually used any inappropriate language. I'm just referencing it indirectly. So I haven't used any um, cuss words or any inappropriate um, references to anatomy, etc. I'm just letting you know that it exists. And for you to, to subtract from my minutes, and actually I think that got the intention, if I understand correctly, one of the other school board members tried to fight on his behalf, but then was outvoted by the left-leaning school board. But this, Berea, is an example of what really needs to be happening over and over again. And we need more people willing to go in and it don't, as I said before, it don't have to be um, a parent. You don't have to be a grandparent. If you are a taxpayer concerned citizen, or if you want to write something up and we'll work to try to get somebody to come and read it anonymously, we need to be pressing them. Because this stuff, and I'm going to read about the, the title of this book is Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And it's it goes through. There's a breakdown of what's in there. I'm not going to discuss it on the. It's just disgusting. Um, but this book and things like it should not be in schools. And the way that we are going to get rid of it, I, I hate to say, it's not going to come from some politician or some sort of positive change at the at the state board of education. That's highly, highly unlikely. Where it's going to come from is people in the community like this bold wonderful dad who went into the school board and decided to take the fight to the, the school board. Jonathan, um, you're 100% right, of course, and this bold, brave dad uh, played the clips, uh, uh, you know, uh, on uh, audio clips from the audiobook. Uh, and the language is vulgar. We can't use it on the radio. We would lose our license. Uh, I wouldn't want to use it anyway because it is indeed vulgar, and yet, which is the point, this is appropriate for 10-year-olds to read or listen to on the audiobook. Um, so it's available in their schools and in their libraries. According to the adults in charge of their education with all of their advanced degrees, but it is not appropriate for adults at a school board meeting to hear. They're so offended, they're so disgusted, they're so repulsed by the language played by this dad that they threaten to kick him out and never let him speak there again, but yet... The children have full access to it. And that, of course, is our point. Jonathan, we, we, we're touching on some important things, but in my estimation, not enough yet. Do you have another segment in you after the top of the hour? Oh, sure. Yeah, if you want me to stay on, I'd be happy to. I do. I do, because there's other stories here that I want to talk about with you in Ohio uh, that people can read for themselves if they follow the page on Facebook, which is uh, the Protect Ohio Children North page. 
Uh, there are some stories there that are unbelievable. You need to know what's going on in your schools. You need to know what's going on in Berea. You need to know what's going on in Cleveland Heights. Uh, there's a ton of them that I could reference here, but I want to talk about those with Jonathan. So Jonathan, will call you back after the top of the hour news, and we'll continue this conversation and maybe even invite parents, concerned parents, questions for Jonathan, comments, you want to join in the conversation, you want to volunteer and be an activist in this whole thing, we're going to cover the gamut coming up after the top of the hour as Jonathan Broadbent is kind enough to continue with us on AM 1420 The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer. Eight minutes after 10 o'clock, and we do continue on AM 1420. The answer. Welcome. It's Always Right Radio. It's a Wednesday, not just any Wednesday, a special Wednesday if you are of the Catholic faith. It is, of course, Ash Wednesday, and, uh, I hope you are going to uh, participate, go to a service, get your blessing, and uh, and start Lent the right way. Uh, I hope that for everybody. 22nd morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, Jonathan Broadbent uh, is one of the... I, I don't, Jonathan, I don't know what your title with Protect Ohio Children North is. Are you the president? Are you the chairman? Are you an administrator? What are we calling you here? I am a chair and chair. a territory lead. So Protect Ohio Children North is under my purview. So basically, Bob, we've just cut Ohio into three areas, north, central, and south. I run north. Got it. Thank you. Because I, I just keep saying with, uh, but I know you're more than with the group. You are one of the leaders and organizers of the group. Jonathan, before we continue our conversation about what's going on in uh, so many Northeast Ohio schools, we did a great job of covering Berea there in the last segment. Uh, I want everybody to listen to this in case they missed it. You featured it on the page, the Facebook page for Protect Ohio Children North, and I played it before, but for those who missed it, this is what educators in the National Education Association, that's the largest teachers union, and the AFT, or one of the, they're one and two, I don't know which one is first in terms of size, but the American Federation of Teachers, this is what they think of you parents who uh, want to have a say in what your kids learn and what your kids read and what curricula they are presented with at school. This is, this is how they see you. I have a master's degree because when I got certified, I was told I had to have a master's degree to be an Arizona certified teacher. We all have advanced degrees. What do the parents have? Are we vetting the backgrounds of our parents? Are we allowing the parents to choose the curriculum and the books that our children are going to read? I think that it's a mistake. I'm just speaking from the heart. Um, The one line that I love is uh, we must remember that the purpose of public education is not to teach only what parents want their children to be taught. It is to teach them what society needs them to be taught. Jonathan, I did a 15-minute unplanned rant on that this morning. Um, uh, it just blew me away, and I, and I just had to react. Uh, I don't want to repeat it. I'll let you react instead. So I'm actually uh, typing in a search I'm going to, I've prevalently posted on Protect Ohio Children North. I've got some statistics that I want to draw your attention to and those of your audience. Okay. And that is the distinction between 
government school. I no longer call it public school. I call it government school. If it were public school, we, the public, would have the ability to influence what happens there. In government schools, compared to home education, there's no comparison. Bob, the kids who are home educated are leaps and bounds in every category you could measure, except for um, suicide, depression, anxiety, drug use, and alcoholism in early pregnancy. In all of those categories, in, in expense, in those categories, um, if you like those things, government school is for you uh, and your family. But if you don't like those things, you actually like kids that know how to think, not what to think. And they're not racially antagonized, sexually confused, um, gender dysphoric. Uh, then home education is for you. So this woman who's raving about how great she is because she's got this advanced degree The proof's in the pudding, lady. You look at what you are producing. The end product of government school education across the board in every district across the country as compared to home education, you, lady, are failing. That's very well said. Um, And and to me, it's the the attitude. uh, it's It's the condescension that just gets me to, like, who are you people to to challenge us we are the educated we are the uh you know the uh the elites if you will we are your betters and you will do what we tell you to do your children will do what we tell you to do because they'll be better off for it it's the attitude that really just kind of got to me and that's why i went off on that rant um but i want to speak more specifically now or i want you to speak more specifically about some of these things but but jonathan um i also want to oh and let me invite people to call if you want to talk with Jonathan and myself, ask a question, make a comment about some of this curricula in Ohio and so forth, uh, call for, or excuse me, call 216 I almost get my home phone number on the radio. 216-901-0945. And, uh, and we'll put you up. But Jonathan, I know you also work closely with the Ohio Value Voters, and Diane Stover sent me this message. The issue is not enough POC, Protect Ohio Children, resources. The problem is parents expecting someone else to do their jobs. Parents need to exercise their parental rights while they still have them. They need to go to their school board meetings and find out what their kids are being taught and what's going on. Berea parents are asleep. Reminder, our model we advocate for is community parents, community parents groups to form and POC, Protect Ohio Children, supports them. Send tips and questions to their mailbox. Parents should look at the map in the new sex ed report and go to the school board and talk about what's being taught and ask questions. And it's important to share her message there, Jonathan, just real quickly, because um, of what you were talking about. You're saying, look, if you're a parent and you are concerned about those things, if you are aware, but you're afraid to go to the board or go to the administrators and complain because your children will be then targeted, uh, because of your actions, you said, come to us and we'll send surrogates in your place, essentially, to share your your concerns with the boards. Well, step one of that is parents need to know what in the hell is going on. And as Diane said, far too many of them just kind of drop the kids off uh, in the morning and they pick them up or they come home on the bus in the afternoon, and that's the extent of their involvement. They do need to become more aware and more involved by going to these things, right? Oh, I completely agree. And Diane said it beautifully. The step one and the most ideal is for parents in the community, parents, grandparents, taxpayers, you name it, for that community to organize. And there are many examples out there. I tend to refer to the one that I got to know best first, and that's Rocky River Citizens for Transparency. There's a, a community uh, just uh, 
just west of Cleveland called Rocky River. Rocky River, I'm, I'm saying this obviously for your audience, Rocky River organized, it did a beautiful job of figuring out the issues, what they like, what they don't like, and coalescing around that brand and that name. They even formed a 501c3. That's not a requirement for every district, but it is kind of an ideal. Once that organization, that activist um, entity exists, then all kinds of things become possible for that community. You can dig in and find out um, the, the pornographic books, the hiring practices, the third-party vendors that you don't like, everything from tip to tail. I say dig in and find out what's going on in the school district and find ways to fight back. Protect Ohio Children, we're an all-volunteer organization, in spite of what the left tells you. Um, we have limited resources in your community. The faster, the, the more you can grow into a, uh, an organization to fight back against these, the woke indoctrination in schools, the better off you are. So um, to put a, a finer point on that, there are two avenues to approach this. One is communities organizing and fighting back directly. If you need help, that's what Protect Ohio Children is here for. We're going to help point you in the right direction, get people organized and fighting back to reclaim education in their local district. Uh, very well said. Uh, we're talking with Jonathan Broadbent. He continues with us on AM 1420, the answer chair of Protect Ohio Children North. Um, Jonathan, before we take a couple of phone calls, and if you're on hold, stay there. If you're not on hold, get there. There's still time for you to talk to Jonathan and, and, and discuss this with us. Um, tell me about PBIS. You posted about it. Oh. There's a lengthy substack, Positive Behavioral Intervention and Support. It all sounds really – isn't it amazing how all of these types of um, – programs and policies and agenda items that these uh, leftists come up with sound really, really good. They sound really, really positive, like diversity, inclusion, and equity. And it's like, those were all positive words. Let's put them out there. Uh, positive behavioral intervention and support is none of those things, though. Um, can you tell us about it? Yeah, it's awful. It's SEL. So SEL stands for social emotional learning. And I put it this way. If, if you, and I'm being obviously clearly facetious here, but if, as a parent, you want your kids to learn what to think rather than how to think, then embrace social-emotional learning because that's what it's there for. It is a tool that allows schools and teachers specifically to use emotion to manipulate children. They can. You see these kids opening up paint cans and throwing them on paintings because they are they're antagonized to feel that the world is ending. Um, you do you see massive increases in uh, racial tension. Those are kids that are being taught that white people are oppressors and all black kids are oppressed. That's emotion-driven. Mm -hmm. Social-emotional learning is the tool that drives that into school. PBIS is just a brand. It's a brand name of social-emotional learning. So, And that's what the left keeps doing. As soon as we figure out what their tactic is, and what term they're using and how they're misusing a term or a title to some sort of approach to education, some catchy, trendy new thing. As soon as we learn about it and start communicating, they change the name of it. And they did that with CRT. They've right. done it with um, pornography. They keep doing it with things. So I'll just remember this. PBIS is simply 
social emotional learning. And Bob, if I may, there's an important deadline coming up. Okay. The last day for Ohio school districts to opt out of PBIF is the 27th of this month. If you're out there listening, if you can share this message, share the audio, t- text message, whatever, get get the message out to everyone you know to communicate with their local school district and tell them no to PBIS, no to SEL. Uh, the the backstory really quickly in 2019, a bill was passed in Ohio that goes into effect in 2023, forcing school districts basically to adopt PBIS. Now is the deadline. They they gave Ohio school districts roughly two years. Um, uh, it, it was late 2019, if memory serves, to, in, to adopt this PBIS stuff. Now the deadline is here. Now is the time for we, the people of Ohio, to push back, call your school district, tell them, uh-uh, no, I know what this stuff is. You're not fooling me. All it is is social-emotional learning with a, a pretty little bow around it. I don't want it in my school district. Try to force your school district to opt out of PBIS. Jonathan, Keep let me... Uh, there already, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. I want to interrupt. I apologize, but we uh, we do have people who want to talk to you on the phones, too. But super quick, um, if your district doesn't opt out, is there an individual opt-out? Can parents opt their kids out of, of whatever that uh, SEL looks like? I've been asking about that. My understanding, Bob, is unfortunately no. Once it's there in the district, it will be embedded into all of the curriculum and learning, and it will be, think of it like this gender stuff, the, the gender theory. That's everywhere. It's pervasive. It's not a class that's it's, you know one period, two days a week or whatever. The gender stuff is in every class, from gym to math to English, you name it. PBIS, the social-emotional stuff, is going to be, everywhere all the time if it's allowed in your district and parents do not the, to my the best of my understanding parents will never have the opportunity to individually opt their child out well that's troubling which means it's even more important for what you said originally to happen uh, people need to go to their districts uh, go to their boards and uh, and demand that they opt out of this as a district then so that uh, the kids are not forced into this Jonathan we've got time for a couple of calls here so let's do that Jonathan Broadbent is with us um, we're going to go to Berea not ironically I'm sure Sally is there uh, we talked about the, the Berea story last segment um, Sally go ahead you're on the air with Jonathan and myself go ahead Yes, hello. As a grandma bear, I'm very concerned that um, the parental rights are being abrogated. Um, I'd like to know how often you've found that um, groups have been able to organize for parents to review and submit their results to the uh, school boards publicly, uh, what the content of books in the library and also the curriculum. And this would have some impact if they were presented publicly at a school board meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Jonathan, go ahead. That's a great question. And Sally, thanks for being a grandma bear. Uh, There are two parts to that. One is library books and one is curriculum. For library books, I believe uh, Dakota Sawyer is a a friend of uh, Bob France and has been on the, the program um, I, I, Bob, I suggest having him back uh, regularly. Dakota yeah. Sawyer is a gentleman out there, young. 
he's a recent high school grad, but he is just a, an amazing, relentless go-getter as far as uncovering the nasty, pornographic, and damaging uh, library books. When you find those, absolutely, if, you, if you're comfortable doing it, go in and read that into the book, and I'll tell you, there will be few things more impactful than a video of you going in and reading some of the horrible stuff. Just put it in the faces of Berea City Schools. As far as the curriculum, here's the, the nasty thing that the, I just keep calling them the left, that the people who run schools now have a requirement by law, Ohio Revised Code. It's actually, if, you, if anybody wants to look it up, it's 3313.60 makes um, the content of anything taught to children has to be publicly available to the parents. But what school districts have done to try to hide it is they've said, in order for you as the parent or grandparent to know the curriculum, you have to come in and view it in on our premises. Well, we've now got people who have called that bluff, and they'll go in. These are people with some free time. They will go in and spend big parts of a day pouring through curriculum, and they make pages and pages of notes, and then they release them. And that that is a pushing back uh, against these school districts in a beautiful way. Uh, it's calling them on their bluff. I think they were thinking that nobody would bother to show up and sit in their office and Clearly. read the curriculum. Clearly. Because who, who would expect anybody to want to do that or have the time to do that? It's such a pain in the neck, and it's yeah. such... It's it's egregious. It's clear. It, it's obviously a, a a ruse on the part of of people working in the administration of school districts to try to hide the curriculum. What they were hoping for is people were busy, not paying attention, and wouldn't put the time in. But all it takes is a few people. You get a few people going in for blocks of time and pouring through and making some notes. Then organizations like Protect Ohio Children mm-hmm. seek to make that public. And we'll tag the school district. Hey, Berea, did you know this was uncovered in sixth grade uh, English class? And right. it's it's forcing the the hidden stuff into daylight, and that is causing fits well, among Jonathan, the left. They want to hide it. I've got to I've got to end here because we're we're so out of time. Uh, in fact, we spent some that we didn't have. Um, but it was all important. Oh, and by the way, Dakota, um, you mentioned Dakota Sawyer. He testified last week before the state board. He doesn't just talk about it. He went down and talked to the state board and uh, confronted the child pornography uh, pervasiveness in Ohio schools, which is amazing. So I agree. We're going to get him back on. I'm going to do my part to the, to the extent that I can. And what I'm going to try to do is maybe set aside a segment per week in which I will read all reports sent to me by parents in northern Ohio or just Ohio districts of anything that is provable. I don't want to just read, you know, nonsense and, and fantasy on the uh, on the radio. But if you have proof of some of the things that we're talking about, from the SEL to the CRT to the uh, to the comprehensive uh, comprehensive sex education to the pornographic books being available, you send that stuff to me. I will read it on the radio. Just go to my uh, my Facebook or my Twitter page uh, and and share that stuff with me, and I will get it out there and make it as public as I can through this platform and tell people what's going on in that district so that parents who don't know will know and then can go and try to affect the changes that are needed. So um, 
I'll give an open forum pretty much to everybody who can show me things with evidence of, that are going on in their kids' schools so that we can uh, make parents informed and, uh, and let them get to the, uh, to the meetings and deal with this. Jonathan Broadbent, uh, thank you for everything you're doing. A chair of the Protect Ohio Children North organization, as well as being a, a leader with uh, Ohio Value Voters as well. Appreciate everything you're doing, and we'll stay in touch. Thanks for having me, Bob. You got it. 1027, we'll be back. of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always write radio with Bob France and the answer. Yes, indeed. We do continue now. It's 1038. Appreciate you being with us. I apologize. I couldn't get more people up on the radio to join Jonathan Broadbent. But the conversation needs to continue, whether it's here or whether it's, uh, you know, in your local community, at your local school board meetings and so forth. But it's uh, it's repugnant. It, it really is what is being done to our kids. And yet the left dares to call us phobes or bigots or, you know, all of the other insults and slurs and pejoratives they can find to label us for simply trying to protect kids from adult content. From adult content that is, first of all, just adult. That's bad enough. You don't put adult materials into the hands of children, particularly pornographic materials. But secondly, especially when that adult content is deviant content, when it is perverted, when it is abnormal. And I know a lot of people bristle at that word, abnormal. But the type of stuff they're pushing on kids, which is for boys to cross-dress and dance in, in girls' lingerie and twerk for dollars, which is what they're trying to teach kids at these family-friendly drag shows, that's abnormal. Normal is what is um, the habit and the pattern and the behavior of the overwhelming majority of populations. To do something that is the opposite of that is not normal. It is therefore abnormal. It is not intended as a slur. But it is indeed intended to be something that is not, should not be pushed on children of any age at any time. That's just the reality of it. But that's what they're doing. Some of these stories are simply reprehensible. Um, what's going on in our schools. The one that Jonathan Broadbent and I talked about the most there, that Berea City Schools situation, is just its incredible. It was back in November. The story just was published, by the way, on uh, uh, Ken McEntee's webpage about Titans of Grooming, because Berea Mid Park, their, their uh, uh, mascot is the Titans, of course. And uh, But they reported back on November 17th, a resident, a dad, in Berea City Schools, which, by the way, this is written by a guy who's a graduate of the Berea City Schools, okay? But a dad named James received an email from the board president named Anna Chapman, and the email threatened that this dad would no longer be allowed to come to board meetings and speak again if he continued to use vulgarity. Well, what vulgarity did he use? Did he start cussing at the board because he was mad? No. He either read or played uh, segments from a book, an audiobook that is available to the children in the Berea schools. In the short 20-second segment read from the book, the vulgarities, which I, can, of course, cannot use on the radio, were referenced multiple times. One of them, which was a reference to a very colloquial reference to oral sex, was referenced seven, seven times. Um Anybody who took the time to count read the entire book. There were 15 references 
to that. There were 79 F-bombs. There were 11 words that are a colloquial euphemism for a male male genitalia. Um, this is just some of the stuff. And so he played this for the board. And the board was so shocked and so so offended by the presence of those words in front of them, which are adults. I mean, oh my gosh, this is graphic and grotesque. How dare you turn that off? But that book that they were so repulsed by that they made him turn it off and are threatening to never let him come back and speak again is available to students in grades 5 to 8, generally ages 10 to 13. So what they're saying is, we don't want to hear vulgar words and vulgar descriptions and definitions of sexual acts in public, and we're adults, but we want our 10-year-olds to be able to um, absorb that and consume that at their whim, at their desire. On behalf of Berea City School District Board of Education, I'm writing to notify you in accordance with board policy, we will not further permit or tolerate a repeat of obscene and vulgar statements and or audio that have permeated your remarks in recent public participation presentations at board meetings. President Chapman wrote, Should you decide to repeat your curious need to speak or publish obscenities and indecencies, you will immediately forfeit the ability to address the board in public session. End quote. Wow. Should you need, feel the need rather, to further your presentation of these vulgarities, to repeat your curious need to speak or publish these obscenities and indecencies, will stop you. But we won't stop your kid, who's 10, from reading it themselves. How about it? Now, that's just one. There are several others, but here's another one that I'm going to go to. And this one isn't involving the sex, gross sexual miseducation of young children, the sexualizing of young children, the sexually orienting of some children, the sexual identification push on some children, or the... Just straight-up sexualization of kids at all. This is beyond that. Oh, did I miss one? Sorry. Sexual grooming of children. This one will dive into the realm of CRT, also in Ohio, but this one's a little further south down in Springfield. (sighs) Police were dispatched to Kenwood Elementary School at 10 a.m. on Monday to deal with possible assault and menacing offenses, reported the Springfield News Sun. This was all contained in an article by The Blaze. The alleged assaults took place during recess. The school's principal, Evan Hunsacker, reportedly told law enforcement that a group of black students had herded several white students over to the playground and coerced them to state Black Lives Matter against their will. The black students, according to the article, allegedly hunted down, captured, and dragged white students to the playground where they forced them to recite these Marxist slogans on camera. Students who had attempted to evade the coercive mob of junior identitarians allegedly were chased down and carried back to the playground. One student was bashed in the head by one of the BLM-supporting aggressors, according to the police report. 
Springfield police questioned multiple juveniles to, juveniles to be uh, believed to have been involved in the racially charged incident. Ryan Springer, whose 12-year-old boy was apparently among those forced to recite the slogan of the BLM, the Marxist scam movement that is BLM that has done nothing to advance the cause of black lives in America, but has bought several million-dollar mansions for the uh, originators of this uh, Marxist movement, told WHIO, quote, I am angry as a parent, but I do understand their children. It's not okay to hate anybody because of their skin color or their gender or sexual orientation or anything like that. Nobody should be hating anybody. I'm more upset by the assault part of it, the children being forced down onto the ground, Springer added. That statement there is just as much, if not a bigger problem, than what the kids did to the other kids, the black kids did to the white kids. Because here's a parent whose outrage should be at volcanic levels because his son was dragged in and cornered and forced to state things. And I don't care what things they were, it doesn't matter. But that he was abused in such a way, and then assaulted in another way. And the parent, in expressing his outrage, has to be careful not to offend the kids who were responsible for the assault and their parents. I mean, I understand it's not okay to hate anybody because of their skin color. Well, I got news for you, Mr. Springer. Those kids hate your kid because of his white skin color. It's not okay to hate anybody because of their skin color or their gender or sexual orientation or anything like that. Nobody should be hating anybody, but I'm just upset that they assaulted him. How about being upset that this is being allowed and indeed taught and promoted by the teachers and the educators inside that building? Right next to the playground inside, you will find the blame for a bunch of black kids corralling and hurting a bunch of white kids up against a wall and demanding that they say black lives matter. The parents, or excuse me, the educators are responsible for that. Why? Because they're the ones who continue to push CRT, whether it's as an assigned class you know, um, um, cl- classwork or homework or, or, or lesson, or whether it's just in the vernacular of the daily interaction, this is how CRT is pushed on kids without ever being used in the title. They are teaching these little black kids and these little white kids to either hate each other or fear each other. That's what CRT does. Critical race theory is a Marxist tool, critical theory in general is a Marxist tool to use something as a cudgel, whether it's race or something else, to divide groups of people into oppressors and victims, period. Critical race theory just does that for race. White kids are perceived as and believed to be and are taught to black kids to be oppressors of black kids. And black kids are taught to hate those white devils because they are oppressing you and you are their victims, That's what CRT does, and it's doing it all over the country, and it's doing it in Ohio, and it was obviously doing it in the Springfield schools because a bunch of black kids cornered a bunch of white kids and physically forced them to state Black Lives Matter or whatever other Marxist uh, phrases that they wanted. You think they thought of that on their own? 
They got it from the educators in the radical left-wing teachers' unions inside that building. That's where they got it, along with social media, of course. And a dad can't even defend his kid without saying, you know, I really, I don't want anybody to not like anybody because of their skin color. He didn't want to tick off Black Lives Matter by saying that these little black kids who did this to these little white kids are wrong. You can't condemn or criticize a black kid for doing anything. Because if you do, you are now the racist, even if your child was the one harmed. Do you see what is being done? Where was the school staff when all of this was taking place, Springer did ask, and why? Why did it get so far? Because this is what they taught them to do. They taught little black kids to hate little white kids because they're all descendants of racists and descendants of slave owners and descendants of of evil. They're evil themselves because of that. That's what Black Lives Matter teaches. It's what critical race theory teaches. The Blaze reached out to the Springfield City School District inquiring whether teachers or staff or the school have previously promoted BLM in the classrooms and whether CRT is uh, taught in those schools, whether activists have spoken to the students in the past. The school district had not responded by the time of publication. Let me save the trouble, Blaze. They're going to tell you that they don't teach CRT. They're going to say, look, here's our curriculum. Find a course where CRT is included in the lesson plans. It doesn't have to be. It is included in the way teachers interact with students. It is included in non-specific ways and certainly non-lesson plan recorded ways because then those would be public, uh, public records and public knowledge and people would be able to say, see, look what they're doing. Teachers are attending They're attending training sessions at conventions in huge cities and in huge convention halls where they are taught, here's how to push CRT onto your students without it being part of the curriculum. These exist. They've been reported on. Springfield Police noted it's still investigating what took place and will work with prosecutors to review possible formal charges. BLM, the identitarian leftist group, the Springfield aggressors, forced their victims to pledge fealty to, is associated with the riots that did a billion dollars in damage, blah, blah, blah. We all know this. The group now makes the following additional demands. In addition to police being defunded, the nuclear family being destroyed, the transsexual activism be promoted, the queer-affirming network be developed in schools, they now also demand... Uh, uh, parallels with Democratic establishment thinking like convicting and banning Donald Trump from future political office, expelling Republican members of Congress who attempted to overturn the election, to permanently ban Donald Trump from all digital media platforms, to silence his supporters, and so forth. The leftist organization's co-founder, Patrice Cullors, I told you this already, has been accused of misusing millions of dollars in donations to spend on multi-million dollar properties. Other prominent BLM proponents like Sean King have similarly been accused of being grifters. It's not an accusation. It's a fact. Look at their homes. They've done nothing for black people. They have done everything for themselves. It is the ultimate in grifting. All right. I welcome response to all those things. 216-901-0945. But I will tell you this. This is another example of what I talked about yesterday when I talked about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Pushing for a national divorce. This is the kind of thing that says, let's go. Let's go to court. Let's make it official. 
Let's have a national divorce. We will have united red states of America. We will have united blue states of America. You do your thing. We'll do ours. I will put that up any day of the week. That that experiment would end in the destruction of the blue states of America. Self-destruction. Not by anybody else, but self-destruction within a decade. We'll be right back. I uh, can't repeat it uh, because it was too long, um, so I'm posting it. Yesterday's uh, monologue on Marjorie Taylor Greene's call for a national divorce is now posted on my Twitter feed um, with the following tweet. Uh, MTG has called for a national divorce. Is it even possible? Who would benefit from such a move? Who would suffer? Here's my response, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. So I posted a link to that audio. It's about 14 minutes. And I want you to listen to it. If you missed it from yesterday, and I want you to respond to it on Twitter, find me there at France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z Rants, R-A-N-T-Z. I'll put it on Facebook, too, for those of you who follow me there. Uh, let's get a call in here from uh, Chuck, who's in Maple Heights. Hey, Chuck, go ahead, sir. My friend, good, always a great show to listen to. Uh, I want to ask you, tell you real quick, that this I heard about this almost a week ago. I texted my wife. A copy of this, a friend of mine sent this over to me. This happened like on the 13th, not just this Monday, but a week before that. And I have not seen it on any local news. I haven't heard it on any radio channels. I listen to other stuff because I bounce around, which you understand you got to get different views. You can't just of course get you one do. person yeah. every time. And so you're, we, we, me and you were cool. We're going at I listen. I, my wife said, Chuck, I've watched three news today. During the day, and have seen nothing about them kids down there. What are they going to do about them kids? We're dragging them kids to the parking lot of their playground. I want to know what the teachers were doing, what the, the playground monitors were doing, and what kind of stuff's going to be done to these kids. There's nothing. The only articles you find are what had actually happened, and nothing since then. Because that's what the left wing media does. They take anything they don't believe should be out there because it's going to make leftists look bad and hide it under the rug. They, the only way it'll get exposed is by a show like yours or Fox or Newsmax or something like that. We'll never hear this. You won't see this in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, the leftist rag that it is. I'm sorry. There's nothing about this anywhere. I've seen it nowhere. These kids were either their parents and the teachers or a combination pushed these kids to do stuff like this and to drag a child on the asphalt or the concrete, either way, it's on a playground, through something, if this was the other foot like this, it would be awful. Yeah, would be, I tried. Would be yeah, on MSNBC. Go ahead. No, I tried to, to avoid saying that, but you're a thousand percent right. And thank you, my friend, for the call. Um, it may be just because it's very new. This happened on Monday, and today is Wednesday. So it may be because this. Oh, wait a minute. I take that back. It was last Monday, not two days ago. So it's been nine days. Okay, I apologize to you. It's been nine days. Yeah, then it is criminal that there has not been more reporting on this. But I tried to not say what you just said, but you're right. Try to put a group of white kids dragging a group of black kids and cornering them and forcing them to say things they don't want to say. And watch what happens. This country would be on fire. We'll be back after the news with Jack Windsor on AM 1420 The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. 
You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Fred on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 11 minutes after 11 o'clock means hour number three is underway on this Wednesday, this very special Wednesday, the 22nd morning of the second month of the year of our Lord 2023 is Ash Wednesday. So a blessed day to you. Want to dive right in now because we've got a lot of ground to cover with our regular Wednesday commentator. He is the founder and editor of the Ohio Press Network. He is also our State House correspondent covering all things from Columbus uh, here on AM 1420 The Answer. And he's my co-host on our podcast. We'll have another new episode tonight uh, called Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. The Jack refers to Jack Windsor. Jack, good morning. Good to have you back, my friend. How are you? Why do you always bring that crowd of people with you to follow you around everywhere? I bring a party with me where, wherever I am. Yeah, wherever I go, <laughs> I bring my crew, man. I'm I'm like a hundred deep. Uh, it's a, it's always an honor to be here. Thanks for for choosing me today, and uh, I'm excited about tonight. By the way, uh, we'll have uh, G Van Fleet, and uh, it was really uh, inspiring last night to see that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy declared. Uh, in the 2024 uh, presidential race. So, and we got to chat with him last week. So, uh, looking forward to tonight. I think we got among the very first, um, conversations with Vivek about his uh, potential run last week when we did that. And if you missed that podcast, by the way, you can still hear it again. Obviously, find your podcast. Just search for, uh, Talk and Smack with Bob and Jack. If you look for France and Windsor, you won't find it because we didn't name it that. So you have to look for Talking Smack with Bob and Jack wherever you do your podcast. But listen to the conversation with Vic. You know, it's interesting, Jack. I saw um, a tweet or a comment on response in response on Facebook or somewhere about Vivek's announcement that he is going to be uh, running for president that said, I'm really ticked off by this. Oh, you know what it was? It was Buckeye Politics Twitter account on uh, on Twitter this morning that said, I can't, I'm paraphrasing, I can't expray, explain how angry I am that he's running for president instead of for senator. Of Ohio, uh-huh. he is a Cincinnati uh, a native, and he, if he ran for senator uh, against Sherrod Brown, I think that would be a real, real interesting development. I think that might be a game changer. You know, we're looking at some of the same people who ran for the Senate seat um, to replace uh, Rob Portman. Uh, you know, so a lot of those same people in that crowd are going to be back, which is fine. But boy, uh-huh. uh, a national figure like Vivek with a platform he has would have been interesting. Yeah, it really would have been interesting. I think you're going to have a similar cast of characters. I talked with uh, Bernie Marino 
yesterday. He has not yet declared. I expect he will. Of course, Matt Dolan was out of the gate early. And uh, I expect Frank LaRose will probably throw his hat in that ring, too. We'll, we'll see who else. But uh, that certainly would have uh, provided some energy and a charge to that election, which I think is going to be expensive and brutal. But here's the other point, counterpoint to the, the frustration. And uh, I'm not saying that I necessarily believe it's good or bad. I'm just making it as a point. Uh, Vivek's going to shape the conversation. That video that he put out last night, if you have uh, suffered under what we've suffered under for the past three years at all, uh, I think that you would be hard-pressed to watch that video and not be a little fired up. So I think um, what he is at least talking about out of the gate could shape and frame the conversation on the national stage uh, during that presidential race. I don't disagree at all. I think he's absolutely going to have a say in this whole thing. He won't win. He can't win. It's just that's the way things are here. But but he uh, he could very well have a statement uh, to be made about what the others and whoever eventually win it does. Uh, I think that's very true. Real quick, Jack, before we get into some of our topics of the day, you mentioned our guest tonight on Talking Smack. Tell everybody a little bit more about that. Yeah, Jivan Fleet came to the United States. At, at a young age, and uh, she did it because she was escaping what turned into Red China. And she has been speaking out over the past couple of years uh, in places as prominent as Fox with Tucker Carlson. She's writing a book that really details what she experienced as a younger woman and what she's seeing in the United States today. And when you listen to her talk through experience. She's not pontificating. She's just giving you the hard facts. Uh, it's going to jolt you awake, and it's going to maybe take the scales off your eyes if you don't see what's going on with masking and vaccinating and LGBTQ and ESG and all of these other issues uh, on which we are so divided as a nation. I think she's going to bring uh, just some perspective there that I think will shock a lot of people. Yeah, she um, she came over from Maoist China. So we're talking about, you know, at the worst time of the worst time, she was six when she came. And she's a Virginia uh, resident now. And uh, we're very much looking forward to talking to her about the reality of what communist China looks like, what the United States is doing that is similar in some ways to that, which has her concern. But also we'll talk about the prospect of war with China, given, uh, you know, the aggressive actions between the violation of our sovereign airspace, um, to the saber rattling over Taiwan and more. So it'll be very interesting to have that conversation tonight with, uh, with her. Okay, Jack. I want to dive into Ohio. By the way, I'm going to start with East Palestine because um, because we should, because the federal government won't, because Governor Mike DeWine won't even declare it an emergency, despite all of these extraordinary videos of people like J.D. Vance scraping the bottom of a creek bed and watching the toxic chemicals rise into the water. I saw another one where somebody threw a heavy rock into the creek, and it, um, you know, of course, splashed, and then as the splash settled, you saw just all of the toxins rising again to the surface and uh mike dewine hasn't declared that contamination of groundwater and probably soil um along with of course the nauseous fumes that people continue to say they smell and that are making them sick uh he won't even declare it as an emergency so since the state of ohio won't deal with it the federal government won't deal with it we'll let jack windsor deal with it what are you uh what are your thoughts on the way this is being handled i think the first thing that struck me was the stark contrast from where we came from. This is the guy and this is the administration that wanted to make sure that when you got up 
from your table to walk that she had a mask on uh, and wanted to close things down, wanted to, you know, be extremely, what he would say, out of an abundance of caution, uh, extremely diligent about picking winners and losers and, and making sure that you were following protocols. Um, when, you know, no more than 2% of the population at one time had the virus, it appears, if I, my number, my, if my recollection of those numbers serves me correctly. But now here he is at the same time, uh, <laughs> almost the same time, um, just saying, look, yeah, you, you can go back to your homes. It's, it's safe. The air's safe. The water's safe. It's just the contrast is stunning to me, isn't it? I mean, what was spilled on the ground is really one of your worst nightmares. That uh, liquid uh, vinyl essentially is extremely vinyl, deadly. Vinyl and chloride, then, it's called. Yeah. Vinyl chloride, yeah. And then when you light it on fire, uh, it, it creates a noxious gas that the Germans used in World War One. So um, I guess I'm a little struck by it. And Yesterday, Governor DeWine kind of called J.D. Uh, on his bluff, if you will, uh, and he went with Mike Regan, who's the EPA administrator, to a woman's home in East Palestine, and he drank the water, which you and I both know um, <laughs> that is a uh, you know political move, and it's made uh, it's, it was made to help people feel more comfortable with what's well, going well, on. Well, it's also not provable, to my understanding, Jack. Did you see a different video that I did because? From my understanding, and the only thing that I saw was they had a video of him drinking a glass of water. We don't know if that was poured from a bottle of smart water or a bottle of Dasani or if it was taken from the tap. Unless he filled it from the tap in a video I did not see, then I'm not going to believe he drank the actual tap water. Yeah, you know, see, how do we get how do we get there, right? We got there because of people like Anthony Fauci. We got there because of people like Bruce Vanderhoff and Amy Acton, who over the course of two or three years, everything they said and claimed to be completely accurate, ended up being wrong. So here we are, where we have a governor drinking water. I did see a video where it, did, it appeared to come out of the tap. Um, but, you know, here's the challenge. I'm glad that. to hear that. I, I did not know that. I But, but first of all, uh, I didn't see that video. I only saw the one where he was drinking, and nobody knows where it came from. But if he did drink something straight out of the tap, here's the thing. To say, see, look, it's fine, it's safe, look what I'm doing. Okay, drink it daily. Drink it daily for the yes. next week, two weeks, three months, four years. What kinds of toxins and contamination is in that water that we don't know what impact it's going to have on people's health in the long term? It's just like the shots. We don't know what the mm-hmm. long-term ramifications are going to be, and they're going to be like, look, the only thing I feel is a little pain from the pinprick in my arm, but everything else is great for now. But but what about in the in the future? That's the thing they don't tell us. Well, you know what's interesting is let's let's backtrack. So it happened on what February third. Um, Donald Trump decided that he was going to go. All of a sudden, Pete Buttigieg. All of a sudden, the EPA. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, well, Mike DeWine. I, I'll give him credit; he was there sooner. But on, on a federal level, once Donald Trump decided he was going to do something, everybody started moving, which to me is disgusting. It's the politicization of you know a tragedy, um, an eco- ecological disaster, and and that's what it's being used for. But you know, just don't. The transportation secretary, when this happened, you know, he was out flapping his gums about how we're inherently racist and and that you know impacts transportation and infrastructure yeah. and. Uh, you know, on President's Day, Joe Biden's over, you know, talking to his, his guy there in Ukraine. And, uh, you know, the EPA administrator last Saturday actually was going to go to Africa um, for, you know, some mission. And uh, when that was discovered, 
he canceled that trip because it didn't look good on him. So once Donald Trump does something now, now the Biden administration and the left wants to chime in and, uh, you know, a little too late for me. Yeah, I completely agree. Jack, let's transition now to the state house and we can, if you want, we can even cross these subjects over because men maybe I haven't paid enough attention, but I haven't heard a whole lot from Ohio state representatives also about East Palestine. Um, and, and it's, I don't know if they're over there, you know, demanding answers as well, uh, or just the representatives in the districts or not, but at any rate, let's talk about what they are doing. The legislative agenda put forth by the, uh, quote-unquote speaker, and I'm sorry I'm going to say it that way for a long time. Jason Stevens came out last week, and um, we were told that it was going to be a conservative dream by a few people who knew what it was going to contain in the in advance, and we had nothing to worry about about this uh, partnering with Democrats. It's going to be a conservative agenda. Well, uh-huh. you can report on this better than most. How conservative is it, and is there anything glaring missing from it? Yeah, so... I'm going to dive right in and I'm going to sprint through these and then, you know, we can come back up for air and talk about them if you want. On the economy, Stephen says he plans to lower state taxes, invest in economic projects throughout the state, fund affordable housing, not allow ESG restrictions on investments of government funds. Uh, Regarding families, he said the House will make adoption more accessible for families, prohibit biological males from competing against biological females, fund initiatives for healthy start programs for moms and address infant mortality. Uh, preserve the role of parents uh, in education of their kids. On the education front, he says that he's going to address the teacher shortage, uh, address the fair school funding uh, model, uh, and make sure that money goes to quality education. He's going to create a child-first model to allow funding to follow students and then focus uh, the state's education approach to drive career readiness. Well, what's not in that or what's not on that? And I just want to quickly say our listeners probably remember Stevens has been a lightning rod of criticism among Ohio conservatives, voters and elected officials alike, who believe that he struck a deal with Democrats in order to overthrow the more conservative speaker in Derek Maron. They they claim that the, that deal or those deals included stalling on the resolution that would require 60 percent electorate to approve and enact a constitutional amendment, watering down school choice, allowing Democrats to stuff the budget with their programs, putting the SAFE Act, which is save adolescents from experimentation. Uh, It's aimed at outlawing the mutilation of body parts to to put that on pause. Um, And so, you know, looking at this list, SAFE Act isn't on it. Uh, The 60 percent constitutional amendment requirement isn't on it. And I don't know what's in the school choice bill, uh, but I can tell you that Democrats, um, first of all, there are 33 members on the finance committee and uh, 31 of them voted for Jason Stevens. So um, there is a lot that he laid out in terms of prioritization, but as it relates to uh, the scuttlebutt regarding a potential deal. Now, Stevens told me in a one-on-one last week, Jack, there was no deal, Um, but critics have a hard time swallowing that pill given what we just covered. We could go uh, item by item, but we don't have the time to do that. I will say that I'm very disappointed in what you just said about the safe act. I'm not surprised. I'm also disappointed in just the platitudes. I forgot how you just phrased about advocating for for parents' roles in education. To say we will, I want specifics. I want to know what is being done at the board of education level. I want to know what is being done at the uh, uh, the um, Department of State Department of Education, uh, what kind of guidances and directives they are going to be giving to the uh, school district. How many school districts are there in the state of Ohio? Over 800 or something like that? 
It's a crazy um, number. It's like 600 yeah. or 800. 600. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know uh, what is being done specifically to tell them we will not tolerate the uh, div- divisive indoctrination of uh, of our students and uh, thus our communities with the uh, Im- imposition of things like SEL and, and CRT and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But that's not there. Um, Derek Marin, to my understanding, and the 45, the reason they voted for him and supported him, they were going to be very, very specific about this. I don't trust Jason Stevens. And the reason why, and I want to get him on the radio and I'll tell him that to his face, and the reason why is because I don't trust anybody who goes behind somebody else's back and stabs his own party and his own caucus in the back to gain his power. If you'll do that to your friends, what will you or what won't you do? Uh, to your constituents, I have a very, very big problem with that very loosely worded agenda. Last thought to you, Jack. Yeah, there's doing the right things, and then there's doing the right things right. And I say that to point to the fact that you're going to have to look at what's in the bill when it comes out. And so as it relates to preserving the role of parents in education, critics would say, well, even addressing the issue that schools are hiding policies on gender and sexual orientation discussions, okay, if it comes to the forefront and they're able to see it, why aren't we outlawing it altogether? Is that going to happen? And then the focus uh, on career readiness in the state's education programs, uh, I asked Stevens if this would give radical culture companies like Intel carte blanche power in promoting pro-abortion, pro-LGBTQ agendas, and uh, I'll publish what he said uh, later this week. So there's a cliffhanger for you. Very good. Jack Windsor, great information today. Uh, looking forward to a great conversation with G. Van Fleet tonight on our Talking Smack podcast. So, uh, everyone, make sure you find that on your podcast platform, whichever one you use. Look for Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. And, of course, click on and subscribe to the Ohio Press Network, uh, which, of course, is Jack's uh, tremendous uh, .com, the Ohio Press Network com, which is Jack's tremendous news publication. Jack, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bob. 1127, quick time out, always right radio, right back. AM 1420, the answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. 1136. Don't apologize. Kind of made a mistake. I was just used to promoting the Wednesday special at Harry Buffalo, which is the Burger Bonanza. Probably should give you some options on Ash Wednesday. Maybe the Burger Bonanza is not the best day, or Tuesday, or excuse me, Ash Wednesday is not the best day for the Burger Bonanza. Maybe you might want to think about the fish fry. Uh, because it is phenomenal as well. That's usually the Friday special, and it will be, of course, a very special thing during Lent, but you might want to think about that for today as well. So Ash Wednesday, maybe you don't want to uh, participate in the Burger Bonanza, but that's just your choice. And if you're not Catholic, obviously, then feast away. Enjoy yourself. Bill is in Berea. Uh, Bill, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob, thanks for getting me on the air today. Um, yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about also adding to the stuff that you had on with Jonathan earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have, a, in Berea, we also have had an ongoing issue with bullying in our schools. Um, our, our administrators have looked the other way on many occasions, and uh, to the point where I actually I pulled my son out going on two years now uh, out of the school system because he was being bullied, and the administration was not doing anything about it. Um, you know, they'd rather look the other way than deal with the problem. And this is all connected to everything you guys were just uh, talking about earlier. Um, you know, so, 
you know, wh- where does this stop? You have the stuff going on, you know, with that that's, uh, that you also talked about earlier with those kids with the Black Lives Matter, you know, and them being dragged and all that yeah, stuff. Down yeah, kids being yeah. bullied in schools. And now you also, you even have teachers that are getting uh, uh, harassed and even beat up by students. I mean, how, you know, and, and no one's, everybody's looking the other direction on this. How can you teach kids when you have all these things going on and there's no discipline in the classroom? Um, well, it just disturbs those me are, big time. Yeah, me too. And, um, you know, there's um, there's a lot of different elements to what you described. Some of them actually compete with one another. Uh, because mm, the bullies, do. yeah, the kids, the kids who are the bullies are not the ones bullying the teachers. They're actually following the examples of the teachers when they try to bully mm-hmm. kids who don't want to cooperate with the, um, you know, with this this agenda, this radical agenda, whether it be on race, yes. or whether it be on sexuality or sexual orientation or trans or this, that, and the other, the pronoun game. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the teachers are, are kind of leading the bullying in most of these cases, and they really, really resent the hell out of parents daring to come to school boards and tell them how to do it or to pair, uh, request parent-teacher conferences and tell them what they should or shouldn't be teaching the kids. They're the ones with the advanced degrees, remember. Um, so I, I agree with you, um, and, and the idea that they think that they can just do this without parental involvement um, would be and should be insulting if the parents were paying attention. But as as I mentioned with Jonathan, and you heard the conversation, and Diane uh, weighed in too via message, um, the reality is far far too many parents, as I said, they watch their kids get on the school bus in the morning, and then they watch them get off in the afternoon, and that's the extent of their involvement with the educational portion of their kids' lives. They don't know what the hell's going on in these schools, Berea's or anybody else's, and it's their job to know. It's their job to request to see the texts, to see the lesson plans. All of these things, by the way, are absolutely public information, according to uh, the U.S. Uh, or excuse me, to the Ohio Revised Code. Parents need to know what's going on, what's being taught, what is being uh, pushed on their kids, and then they should have the right to go in and question whether or not that's appropriate. But these uh, uh, these elitists really are doing everything they can to shut down all opposition. There, there's been two other factors. Um, when we've gone to the, when we've attended the school board meetings, and you go in there and you speak your mind. First off, there's not enough parents there, and second off, you talk to these school board members and and uh, the board president Anna Chapman. And you, 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 you just, you, you preach out your outrage on them and they look at you like a deer in the headlights. They could care absolutely. They don't, they don't, they don't care at all about what you're talking about. You could see it. They don't, they just don't well, care. And the, the reason why is because there is no strength. I mean, there is strength in numbers. And if you don't have a yes. whole group of right. parents, if you don't have people coming and parading one after the other, after the other, up to the microphone during the public mm-hmm. comment section of yes. school board meetings, they're going to ignore. You're absolutely oh, yeah. right. They're going to, they're going to call you blows, not, you know, they're yes. going to call you not behind you know behind mm-hmm. your back. They'll, they'll oh, sure. insult you. They'll degrade you, and they'll denigrate you. But um, but if there's numbers, that's the only way. That's and how change I, happened in Loudoun County, Virginia, and that's how change yes. is going to happen in a lot of other places. Yes. And that's where we're working. I'm working with uh, Jonathan that you, you had on the air earlier. Uh-huh. Um, uh, there's uh, there's also other uh, other uh, group of us that are also working with him that we're trying to get more Berea parents and and just you know just citizens of our community to get more involved in this because you know there's so many first health like you said that are completely unaware of it still and the other ones they have this mentality that well if it's not my kid i don't care and it's like okay well you you know how can you sit there and say something like that i mean it's a child that's being bullied or you know with this other stuff with the you know with the dei and all that other stuff and the crt 
all this stuff is being well, dumped on our children. How could you not care about this? I mean, it changes. You can see the change in these kids even when they come home from school. I have seen a difference between my son's friends that go to the school system still mm-hmm. and the ones that do not. You can see the difference in the I way believe they it. think. I believe it 100%. And what, what Jonathan, I, what Jonathan, Jonathan uh, Broadbent and I talked about earlier on, which is just, and I think you're talking about it right now somewhat, is there are a lot of parents who are afraid to come out and speak and to and to complain and to say, I'm concerned about this or the other thing, because the kids are then going to be targeted. You've got the bigot parents. You've got the, uh, the, the transphobe or homophobe or racist parents uh, who came into the school board meeting and blah, 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 and then the kids get ostracized. So the parents don't want to say anything for fear of backlash against their children, which is why what Jonathan also said everybody needs to know. There are groups like Protect Ohio Children that will be your surrogate, will be your voice if you tell them what's going on in your schools but you're afraid to speak out because of backlash against your kid let them know they'll go for you and use the the information you gave anonymously so your kid doesn't suffer the consequences and that i think is something that needs to be spread everywhere everyone needs to know that those options are there and attached to that um in regards to being afraid to speak up is the exact same i've i have spoke to many teachers in our school district and some others as well and uh yeah, uh, I, I know you said already about these teachers being forced to take these classes on DEI and all that stuff. Yeah, training. Well, yeah. are you are you are you aware that the teachers have to pay out of their own pocket to take those courses? I did <laughs> and not then know that. If they don't. Yeah, yes, they have to pay out of their own pocket for these courses, or they can risk losing their jobs. Wow, I would have assumed that the uh, the, the the extraordinarily powerful and well funded teachers unions would have paid, you know, through their dues, would have paid for such trainings. Uh, but I'm not surprised on that either. Hey, I got to run here, my friend. Thank you for the great call from Bria. I appreciate your concern. I appreciate you sharing information with people. It's uh, uh it's it's too important for us to ignore. Uh, if you're a parent, I'll say it again. If you're a parent in a district and you're worried about what your kids are being taught, what indoctrination, sexualization, critical race theory, and all that stuff is going on, hit me up on Twitter. Send me a tweet and let me know, and I will bring it up to the attention of everyone on the radio. Find me on Twitter at France Rants. Thanks, everyone, for a great conversation today. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.